0: Have you ever wondered what exactly happens to us when we die? What does it mean when we say the soul separates from the body? We know where the body goes, but where does the soul go? Why do we all assume it goes immediately to heaven, bypassing purgatory? Why do we have to go to purgatory anyway? When do the body and soul get back together? And how does that happen, since the body deteriorates? Will we eat in heaven? What will we look like? How old will we be? Believe it or not, there are answers to these questions, and we're going to explore them in the next half hour. Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Place of Peace. Peggy Stanton here, your host on A Place of Peace. My guest, Dr. James Papandrea, has written a very enlightening book appropriately called What Really Happens After We Die?, Dr. Papandrea is a professor of church history and historical theology at Garrett Evangelical Seminary at Northwestern University. He is a speaker and prolific author with some 20 books bearing his name. Welcome, Doctor. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, it's a blessing to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: I really enjoyed your book, and uh, it certainly opened my mind to a lot of different aspects (laughs) of the afterlife I hadn't thought about. Um, So would you uh, lead us off in in a prayer uh, before we start?
1: I would be happy to. Let us pray.
0: In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, we
1: ask your presence and your grace to give us the thoughts you want us to think and the words you want us to say not for our glory, but for yours, for the salvation of those who might be listening. Help us to articulate the message you would have the audience here. In your name, amen. name of the
0: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Perfect. Thank you so much, Doctor. My pleasure. Well, now, my first question uh, is probably very obvious, in that since, uh, wasn't it Augustine who said that eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor any senses, I mean, I'm, ex- I'm elaborating here, had any idea of what God has prepared for those who love him. So almost everything we have to do is almost conjecture, is it not?
1: Well, you know, it does seem that there's more mystery left than answers to any of the questions. When I started writing this book, it really began as a an exploration of what the church fathers have to say mm-hmm. on the concept of the resurrection our final right. resurrection right and um and so that led to you know maybe a bit of a broader exploration of you know these matters of the afterlife but to your point i mean there's there's more that we don't know about it than that mm-hmm. we do and so i just wanted to see well what what do we know Mm-hmm. at least based on the witness of the church fathers, which is my area of study anyway. And so that's how the whole thing got started.
0: Well, let's talk about the church fathers and uh, who, who you refer to. And actually, there's a, a kind of a church mother in there, too, the, the sister of uh, Gregory of Nicaea. I think a lot of uh, Catholics are not really, we've heard the name, but not really sure who is Tertullian.
1: Well, Tertullian was a, uh, actually a lay person, a a lay catechist
0: and theologian living in North
1: Africa Mm -hmm. right around the turn of the third century. So right around Mm -hmm. the year 200. And he wrote a significant number of documents that we still have. And so Mm -hmm. he's, he's maybe one of the church fathers. Now, you know, calling him a church father, will maybe raise some eyebrows because there are <laughs> there are some folks who, yeah. who wonder about whether his authority would be a- on par with someone like St Augustine for example. Right. And right. that's perhaps a you know a question for another time, but we do consider him one of the church fathers. He is one of our earliest witnesses to Christian theology, the doctrine of the Trinity as it became explained in the early church and um And so he wrote some things on the soul and on the afterlife. And and he, along with some of the early apologists, maybe maybe, uh, listeners have heard the name Justin Martyr, Mm -hmm. um, they wrote some things on the afterlife that, uh, you know, we don't consider the Church Fathers inspired on the same level as the Holy Scriptures. Right. um, But we read them because they are folks who were interpreting the scriptures, as well mm-hmm. as the tradition mm-hmm. and the early witness of the apostles, and they were so much closer in time to when the apostles lived and, and right. the scriptures were written, that we we, we give them um, a kind of a preference. Uh, we, we don't say they were right about everything, mm-hmm. but we do give them a kind of preference when it comes to how they understood the tradition and the scriptures of the church.
0: Will you quote, uh, I think I mispronounced his name, Tertullian? Uh, Mm -hmm. You quote quote him quite a bit in the book, and you quote a woman named, now I'm probably killing this name, (laughs) Macrina, is that correct?
1: Macrina, yes, that's right,
0: Macrina. And you quote her, now why was she revered in her thinking?
1: Well, you know, the church fathers, and in this case a church mother that I refer to in the book are chosen really simply because they're the ones that wrote or spoke on the subject we're talking about. So Mm -hmm. it's not as though I'm holding them up over against other Church Fathers. It's just that I'm looking at the documents that are on this topic. Uh With Macrina, for example, there's an important document written by her brother that is presented as a dialogue between her and him, Mm -hmm. and he presents her as the teacher. In that dialogue, she's Mm -hmm. teaching him on the subjects of the afterlife and what happens after we die. And so, you know, this is one of the one of the important documents from the early uh, Christian church Mm -hmm. on this subject.
0: Yeah, it's really quite amazing when you think of how women were not and their thinking wasn't very much revered (laughs) in, in those times and that she comes off as the teacher in this document.
1: That's right. That's right. She um she was the teacher for uh, her whole family really and she's got two brothers who became important bishops and uh we we have, you know, precious few documents from the early church where a, a woman wrote in her own words or, or her words are recorded in this case. Um and this is uh this is one of them. So it's a it's a rare glimpse into, you know, what we might call the church mothers.
0: Well, and she talked about ghosts, and I think we might as well get into that subject because uh, we've just recently gotten past Halloween, and we're in November where we're praying for the holy souls. So her theory on ghosts, uh, would you articulate that? And uh, also her theory on how the soul uh, watches over the body as it deteriorates, as if it's keeping track of all the pieces that it falls into, so that they can be put back together at the resurrection.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, when I started this research, I I fully expected to find that the church fathers did not believe in ghosts and mm-hmm. would tell us not to believe in ghosts. Right. I was surprised to find, though, that they, they do accept the existence of ghosts. The question is, what are ghosts, right? And right. And you know, not too long ago, there was a television show called The Ghost Whisperer about a woman who could, you know, help people who passed away, help them pass on to, into the next life. And mm. it presented ghosts as the spirits of people who, for some reason, could not make that mm. transition. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, you know, they sort of got something right, which mm. is, you know, the, the, the Church Fathers seem to believe that ghosts are the spirits of people who could not, Make the transition now here's the catch though the reason th- those spirits could not make the transition is because they they were so attached to this world and this life that they really were not believers and so uh a ghost is the soul of someone who is not going to heaven. Um, mm. a ghost is the soul of someone who the, the perhaps the the spirit is trapped or refusing to move on or whatever, but this is not the spirit of a believer so so, the, the, the moral of the story is you do not want to be a ghost. And
0: whatever. whatever <laughs> you don't want to run is, into one either, right?
1: <laughs> right, right. Whatever a ghost is, it is not the spirit of someone who's eventually going on to heaven. Because the spirits of those who are eventually going on to heaven go to purgatory first. And, and so that's where they go. So, a ghost is someone who didn't even get into purgatory, basically. So, that's what, you know, Karina would say, you know, you don't want to be a ghost. You don't want to talk to ghosts. You don't want to meet a ghost. Stay away from
0: ghosts. <laughs> now you got me scared of the dark again.
1: <laughs> well, I think that uh, the sign of the cross will will help you
0: there. But um, well, they eventually they're going to be they're going to wind up in hell. But for a while they'll be wandering the earth. Is that what you're saying?
1: I think that is what what the assumption is. That's right. Yeah, and uh, so. We, we don't really know for sure, but, uh, I think that, that there is also a sense in which manifestations of evil can exist uh, apart from the souls of humans. And so, you know, the devil can mess with our minds too. So, I mean, uh, you know, there, there may be the possibility that people think they're seeing ghosts when in fact, uh, it's something else going on. But again, it's not something you want to be involved in.
0: But now you differentiate between a ghost and a a vision of somebody who has died. Explain that difference.
1: Well, that's true. Now, if a person has a dream or a vision of someone, uh, a loved one who's passed on, for example, that's not necessarily a ghost. So there are cases where apparently God has used dreams and visions of. Loved ones who have passed away and who are in heaven, for for whatever reason, to bring a message. Um, I don't claim to know a lot about that, but but it is it is important to say that if you know if if you've had a dream or a vision of you know one of your loved ones who's passed away, that's not a ghost. You know that that may be a dream or a vision, but it's not a ghost. That's not the same thing.
0: <laughs> so we don't know what a ghost looks like. Then a ghost. Uh, right. how would, you, how would you know the difference?
1: I, I don't know. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> a really good question. It's one of the questions that we don't have an answer for. I mean, I think if someone is recognizable as a loved one who's passed on, then it's it's fair to assume that is not a ghost, that a ghost is an some sort of evil manifestation or at least, you know, not a vision that you want to have. And so uh, I would just be careful about fixating on those who have passed on and, um, you know, because, Mm -hmm. again, the devil can mess with our minds if we uh, give him the opportunity. And so um, this is why we do not want to be involved in any of the occult practices like seances Mm -hmm. or tarot cards or any of that stuff. You want to leave that stuff alone Mm -hmm. because that just invites the devil to mess with you.
0: Yeah. Well, for instance, uh, the most recent thing, extraordinary thing I heard was a, a, a woman who talked about someone uh who was one of our neighbors and everybody knew him and it was just several days after he died she wasn't expecting anything she just happened to look out in her garden and there he was she said it was it was as if you know he had never died he was right there very clear to her and she looked at him, but as quickly as he as she saw him Apparently he disappeared again. Now would that be? And she, I said, well, what message did that convey to you? And she said, That's the right question to ask, yeah. Yeah, I said, what can? And she said, I felt as if he was saying uh, he was okay. Don't worry about. Mm-hmm. It, he was okay. But the interesting thing about him, doctor, was he was not a religious person at all. He was a very nice person and generous to people and so forth. But he really was. Well, I would guess I'd classify him as an agnostic. Mm.
1: And, and I would wonder, what about the person who who thought she saw the vision of him? Mm. Is she a, a person of faith?
0: Somewhat. Somewhat.
1: I mean, there's really no answer to this yeah. question. But, yeah. but I mean, I could imagine a scenario where a person is, you know, nominally Christian mm. on the fence about about mm. prayer disciplines mm. and then... The devil wants to mess with them and says, well, here's a vision of a person you know who wasn't faithful, who passed away, and I'm going to give you the message that they're okay. So if they got to heaven, then, you know, you don't need to worry about going to Mass. You don't need to worry about praying. You'll get to heaven, too, because they did. And, you know, I mean, you could imagine a scenario where... Yeah, I never uh, thought of
0: that. Yeah. That
1: is a that is a temptation to lighten up on your faith. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's what happened in this case. I really don't know. But um, we have to be careful about those things and we have to be careful that we don't assume uh, that we can believe everything someone says to us or or we imagine they say to us in a vision or a dream. It may be a contrary message or it may be our own subconscious uh, and wishful thinking too.
0: Right, right, exactly. Uh, Now you have used the term passed on or passed away several times. What I'm curious about is that in this day and age, we no longer say die. Everybody passes on or passes or passes away. But Christ did not pass away on the cross. He died on the cross. We never say yes. he passed away. And and um, he also said, and you quote this several times in the book, unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, he cannot bear fruit. So, you know, unless I die, I can't rise again. But we, why do you think it is that suddenly almost no one uses the word die? They all, Everybody passes away.
1: Yeah. Well, I think if I had to self-analyze here and, and say why I do it, I think it's to soften it for... Yeah. People who have lo- who have recently lost loved ones, yeah. and it's still painful. And so you, you know, we just sort of instinctively kind of uh, you know try to soften it so it doesn't sting so bad for people who might hear us say that.
0: But we know, used uh, to. But but for years and years and years, <laughs> we died. <laughs> now we're all yeah, passing yeah. away. I think that. Do you yeah. think it's there? There's a fear in this generation a great fear of dying and so we do have to soften it by saying pass away
1: uh yeah it, that may be it it may also be that you know the more advances in medicine we have the more we sort of start to think that almost as if death is avoidable or something or or we mm-hmm. or we're sheltered from it more or we um we encounter it less or something and uh that you know perhaps people dealt with it more directly in past generations when when they saw it more on a daily basis.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about their uh, differentiation in terms that you have, the difference between paradise and resurrection.
1: Right. Well, paradise is... Well, let's back up a second. The word heaven is a kind of um, all-encompassing term mm-hmm. for everything after purgatory, right? So mm-hmm. let's assume after purgatory, one enters paradise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, paradise is sort of the first phase of heaven in which, uh, and this is where let's, you know, assume our loved ones who, who have died are in paradise now. Mm-hmm. Um, the saints who have died are in paradise now. And paradise exists Until the end of time, the second coming of Jesus and the final judgment, and at that time there is the general resurrection where all the bodies and souls are reunited and then enter into eternal life as the um, fully revealed kingdom of God or the new Jerusalem as it's described in the book of Revelation, Um, this sort of post-resurrection eternity. So heaven is kind of both paradise and Let's call it the the New Jerusalem uh, of, of eternity, and uh, paradise is that part of or that that phase of heaven that exists while human history continues. Hmm. So this is why Jesus said, for example, to the the, the the so-called good thief on the cross, "Today you will be with me in paradise."
0: Right. Notice he yeah. didn't
1: say, "Today you will be with me in the kingdom." Yeah. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And so the so that's uh, paradise is maybe a more specific term, but it's fair to say they're in heaven now as well
0: but you make the point that the resurrection is is when the soul and the body are rejoined in other words up until the end of history we aren't really resurrected we aren't fully resurrected we're we're a soul somewhere in either in purgatory or paradise and then right. when the end of history comes and we're all resurrected and we we re- regain our bodies. I don't think most people today really have that concept in mind. Do you?
1: No, I, I think in fact that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book because I I felt like you know if you were to if you were to take a poll of even faithful Christians and say mm-hmm. well, you know what happens after you die, right? They would say something to the effect that well you know the soul leaves the body mm-hmm. and goes to heaven, mm-hmm. and okay yes but that's only part of the picture, right? The ultimate goal of the human person is for us to be redeemed whole, body Mm -hmm. and soul. And we Mm -hmm. read about this in, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, St. Paul talks about the spiritual body, the resurrection Mm -hmm. body. And so, so yes, there will be a time when body and soul are reunited. If you think about the saints right now, Mm -hmm. the saints are in paradise with Mm -hmm. Christ. This is why they can intercede for us. But their their relics are still here with us, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, so their bodies, though perhaps decayed or broken up, are still here on Earth. And even those of their bodies that have decayed to the point of, you know, molecules scattered mm-hmm. across the planet, every one of those molecules still exist. Mm-hmm. And so the point is, is that at the end of time, at the final judgment, all of us, even those in hell, all humans will be reunited with their bodies. The bodies will be raised, resurrected, reconstituted, and reunited with with our spirits because for those of us who are destined for heaven, we are meant to be redeemed as whole people, not just disembodied spirits.
0: Well, I, I immediately what comes to mind then is... Um, how do you put these bodies back together? Especially, what have you, you've been cremated. You're, you know, you're down to ashes. Uh, God is going to be awfully busy putting trillions, yeah, well, trillions of bodies back together again.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you ask that because even the earliest documents of the church fathers that talk about resurrection deal with this question because mm-hmm. it's clear that as the early Christian bishops taught the doctrine of the resurrection, mm-hmm. there were non-Christian philosophers who said exactly this. Wait a minute. <laughs> are you telling me God is going to take all the bits and put them back together? Mm-hmm. And so in their documents, some of the church fathers like Justin Martyr, they go into great details and say, well, look, you know, think of it like a mosaic or, or in our world like a jigsaw puzzle. God is the one who made it in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be any trouble for God to put it back together. And so, as the Creator, God will very easily put all the pieces back together because God is the one who created us in the first place. And so, uh, so this 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 question has been there from the very beginning.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, well, yes, he, uh, we can't. There's so much about God we cannot fathom, and uh, I guess the idea of Him putting all those bodies back together again is is a hard picture to to uh, assimilate but but again we just have to understand that as you say the power of someone he created us from nothing as you put say in the book then why can't he put all those pieces back together but you make a good point that even when we're decomposed or cremated that the mo- molecules or atoms that make up our being never never really disappear
1: That's right. And of course, you know, when I say this in the book, I'm just sort of repeating what the church fathers said, which is so interesting because there's a science to this that, you know, modern scientists and even the the, the latest physicists are talking about Mm -hmm. that the early church fathers anticipated, like the conservation of matter. Like matter Mm -hmm. can't just disappear. It can break down into its smallest bits, but it's still there. Or this idea that the body and soul are connected. You mentioned earlier, um, you know Macrina's idea that the mm. that the spirit watches over the pieces yeah. of the body. Well, you know the the church fathers taught that there is this eternal connection between body and spirit. This mm. is why you're not going to be reincarnated into another body. The mm. body you have is yours forever, and there's this eternal connection between body and spirit. That you know, um, even now physicists are talking about the ways that that particles can be connected mm. to each other, even mm-hmm. if they're separated across a galaxy. Um, and so it's just so interesting the way the Church Fathers, through their philosophy, anticipated even modern science and, and, and contemporary physics. But yeah, so they had this idea that, that the body and soul are never completely separated, and that's how they will come back together.
0: If we, and you make a big point that we don't get a, di- a different body, We do get a glorified body, but it's the same body. But immediately what came into my mind, if we receive the same body, why does the Blessed Mother look different in so many uh, different countries? Like if she didn't look... In Mexico, she looked Mexican. In Portugal, she looked Portuguese. In uh, Medjugorje, she looks like a Croatian.
1: (laughs) In in Jesus himself, you know, looks different in different cultures. But I think that's... um, you know, that's simply the the artists of different cultures envisioning what they would hope their mother would look like, and so yeah, but
0: not uh, not in Guadalupe because that was done by God. The image on the uh, tilma was the only divine image that's ever been done.
1: Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. I uh, I guess I need to look at that one again and put that in mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. The final question I have, and we only have about a a minute or so, but I really liked what you said, heaven equals a kind of a communion, a reunion. When we're, for instance, with people we love and we are having a great conversation, I've thought of that too, that it, and you have a moment and you say, I wish this could last forever. And in heaven, it will.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that is, you know, one of the core messages of this doctrine of the resurrection is that, you know, heaven is a reunion with our loved ones who went before us and uh, that, you know, all the ways in which we appreciated their presence, um, you know, we're, we're going to get all that back in a sense. And so, you know, heaven is not going to be boring. Right. I mean, Jesus, (laughs) when they asked Jesus, what's the kingdom like? He said, it's like a wedding reception. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a party. It's like a reunion.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a a real message of hope. I do, too. I do, too. Uh, Dr. James Papandrea, author of the book, What Really Happens After We Die. Doctor, tell everyone how they can uh, get hold of the book and uh, some of your many other books you've written.
1: Well, the book is, uh, is available from Sophia Institute Press, and so folks can always go right to them. Uh, my Amazon author page is, uh, drjimsbooks.com. So if people just go to drjimsbooks.com, it'll jump right to my
0: Amazon page with all my books right there. You are prolific. I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. It was a blessing. Thanks for, uh, the conversation. Join us next week on A Place of Peace.